And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Until Saturday, the first Sunday sound off edition. This week zero is kind of a dry run for us because it wasn't a full slate of football games. So we got our opportunity to watch college football for the first time. Uh, We did a live show on Saturday night on YouTube, which should be in your podcast feed on Sunday morning while you're eating breakfast. And now we are going to unveil and start the first Sunday sound off show, which is a live show every Sunday um, in between the last afternoon NFL games and the Sunday night football game, where we take your questions, your comments, your concerns, your criticisms, your anger. We play it on the show and we just have a discussion with the people who support the show. And I can't be more excited that we are doing this. I am joined as always by Dave Ubbin. Dave, how are we doing today? Uh, we got some baby sleep issues. Maybe we'll tackle it at some point, but we're surviving. <laughs> yeah. And apparently you have some choice words for Sam Con Jr. over here who's wearing a babe's chicken hat. <laughs> Sam, how are we doing? <laughs> I was much better before before Ubbin, Ubbin dissed babe's chicken. I, I don't think I trust this guy anymore. So uh, <laughs> Who raised you, I think, is what you said. <laughs> yeah, who, who did race you, Dave? Like, what's wrong with you? But, uh, Dave, I, I'm, gonna, I'm with you on the baby thing. We're actually, my soon-to-be three-year-old, we're transitioning from the crib to the toddler bed for the first time tonight. So see how it goes. And school starts tomorrow, so... Gonna be a fun night here at the Con household. Pour one yeah, out. You know, it's called the sleep regression. You should go ahead and Google that. You're gonna get real <laughs> familiar with it. Now, I want to start <laughs> off with a food take because we haven't really been doing much of these on the show since it returned, and I think it's an important staple. <laughs> and Sam, you're probably gonna be the one upset about this. I don't know what oh, Dave's gosh. gonna say. I never know what Dave is a wild card with food. Um, <laughs> I think that fried chicken is the most easily duplicated in fast food form. Like the difference between fast food fried chicken and the best fried chicken in the world is the smallest gap between like the best burger in the world and in f- a hamburger or the best pizza in the world and fast food pizza. Like I just feel like fried chicken, like I think you can make the case that Popeye's is among some of the best fried chicken in the world and it's a fast food. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I yes. think I'll, I'll, I'm with you on this because I think fried chicken is a low floor, low ceiling food. It's very good and it's very good. There's some terrible, you can screw it up where it's dry <laughs> mm-hmm. or it's soggy. I've had a lot of bad fried chicken in my life. But yeah, you go to like, you know, the Korean fried chicken place that's charging you, you know, $25 for like a quarter of a bird or like the, you know, the hipster place in the trendy part of town that's like a three piece meal for $20 versus KFC or a Popeyes. The gap is not wide. I'm with you on this, Ari. I'm with you. Sam, I think it's I think it's I kind of see where you're going there. I, I think if you, it's all about if you season it right and you mm-hmm. and like you said, don't dry it out. You, you got to make sure to get yeah. to cook it all the way through, but also get it out in time where you're not drying the bird out. It's so, the lowest drop off between the best in the world and the best fast food version. 
I, I just think it's it's all very similar, and Popeyes is delicious. So you know, KFC I haven't had in a while because why would you go to KFC when you can go to Popeyes? But um, yeah. So anyway, I'm happy that I could start off with some some takes. Jeff Fuller here from the comments is excited for some college football. I'm happy that we can get some food out there and, and really didn't anger anybody. <laughs> so listen, before we get into the show, I always have to do my my beginning spiel here, which is to remind everybody and to urge people to be sure to to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. Drop us a five star review and leave a question for your, for your review and we'll get it to the show. Obviously, these reviews uh, help with the continued growth of this podcast and certainly mean a lot to, to all of us. And if you like watching live videos, if you are right now, obviously you do. And if you're listening to this in the podcast, you, you certainly have that option. You can find our YouTube channel, which is in the show's description. Um, and as you're going to find out today, this is a sound off episode where the fans and the people who support the show are going to get to sound off um, into the show. We are going to lean heavily to voicemails because I think that we're all in agreement here, right, guys, that, you know, listening to people talk and clipping their audio for the show is far more entertaining than reading off a tweet or a question. You can still text uh, this number, which is 316-462-9852 if you want, um, and we certainly will read everything, but the voicemails are going to take priority. And before we keep going, too, I just want to say, Chris, um, if you're out there listening to the show, I got your your text and cer- certainly heartfelt and we really appreciate your support, and it, it touched me uh, this weekend. So uh, lastly, before we dip in, we got a little bit of news, then we're going to get into the questions. But sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter on The Athletic. Um, you will get your daily fill of college football news and takes and things of that nature from The Athletic staff. You don't have to be a subscriber to join the newsletter, and it gets right into your uh, inbox every day during the week. So the links to all of these things are in the show description uh, right here. Super convenient for you. Please just go subscribe to everything because you know that's the lifeblood of this whole thing so all right guys we're going to do some quick news here uh and then we'll get into the fun questions where we raise our voices so who wants to tackle this first apparently on sunday arizona state university the hometown sun devils for yours truly um accepted or took a self-imposed postseason ban for the uh issues that it faced and the rules that it broke during the herman edwards era what do you guys think? So I got two thoughts on this. One, people want to get mad at the NCAA, so-and-so. Arizona State, what they were doing under Herm Edwards was actually bad. <laughs> There's a pandemic going on that's killing people, and they basically, and, and all of college football paused recruiting. There was no recruiting going on, except for, apparently, at Arizona State and Tennessee. Taking guys and Michigan, facility, too, right? Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, this is putting people in danger. This is putting your players in danger. It's putting their families in danger. Um, you know, this is not good. Uh, so this is not, oh, you know, this kid's, you know, wanted to eat and I gave him a $200 check. This is no one in the sport is recruiting. So let's start there, right? This is not your sort of normal everyday NCAA fair. Now, what I don't like is that you're penalizing guys that had nothing to do with this. You know, from, from what I understand, this was not well received. This was not expected, um, from the guys on the ground, the players, there's not been a lot of transparency, on how the Arizona State leadership got to this end. And I think that the the elephant in the room and sort of something that's emblematic of the state of college football is that Tennessee got out of a bowl ban in theory because they just paid $8 million. Um, that was essentially like a two-year bowl ban that they just paid out of. Arizona State, they wouldn't – I believe ESPN asked them for a comment. They re- declined to comment if they could have a similar thing, but I think the reality is that 
an $8 million check for Tennessee to cut is different from an $8 million check or whatever Arizona State was going to cut. And they may not have that in the budget right now. And so now, because of all of this, because of the sins of others, the current players are suffering. Not a fan, um, but again, don't do not do bad things. Don't like, well, that's th- the, th- This is bad. This is actually the bad. Peril, the peril of trying to penalize people in the college football realm is that by the time these are usually completely fleshed out in terms of investigations and really knowing what happened – um, two or three years go by and the players who did those things are gone. And the mm-hmm. only people that you're penalizing are the unpaid athletes that you're supposed to be supporting and helping flourish. And, and I don't know if there's anything under around it. Too. This yeah. is coaches. This, this is, is coaches. coaches. Yeah. Yeah. But the funniest thing about it too, it was like, what are you going to do? Vacate wins? Like at a certain point, it's like the yeah. only thing that they can do. And I remember, um, you guys remember when we were in quarantine, right? Uh, and I was playing, uh, NBA 2K every day or the golf game on <laughs> and I was living with my parents for the first time since I was 18 full time for a few months. Um you remember how serious the whole like everybody was taking the pandemic. Um and it's not that that is right or wrong, but we were all very cautious staying at home, quarantining, staying away from people, wearing masks. Like now that we're a few years removed from it, you know, the severity of the the illness and the way that people are treating it now is just much different. That mindset is changed. But in that moment, when everybody was doing their part to try to beat this thing, this is when all this was occurring. So it's very hard to put yourself back into your mind frame in 2020 when this was all going on and remembering how appalled you would have been at the time because it was a serious public safety issue at the moment. Now, you might not look at it this way now, but remember, when this was occurring, this was like a huge and complete blatant disregard to the public safety. This is um, like summer 2020 we're talking about. Yeah, this was like when it was scary as hell. Yes. Not that it isn't now, but like when everybody was like scared and at home and, uh, you know, I was afraid to go see my friends. I didn't want to get my parents sick. Like, Mm -hmm. and they were just like going on visits and hosting people. Like, it's just it was a complete and utter disregard for human safety. Um that to me is the number one takeaway of this. So, Sam, is there anything that we're missing here that you, that you, that, that uh, crossed your mind? I think just the the thing that frustrates me about this whole situation is how long it takes the NCAA to get through its punishment phase. Because mm-hmm. we get through, we have allegations and we have investigations, and then the punishment is doled out again to people who really didn't have anything to do with it, and. Mm-hmm. That that's the frustrating part of this. I remember when Baylor went through its scandal at the end of the Art Browse era, and those sanctions weren't announced until 2021. And we were on two head coaches past Art Browse by that point. And actually, three if you want to count the acting head coach uh, in 2016. So, uh, and, and they had some, I think, some recruiting restrictions. There was generally a light penalties placed on Baylor for that. But my my, my beef is with how slowly the process moves and and thus you have a roster of Arizona State with 50 plus players who just came in and now right before the season you're being told you're not going to be able to play in the postseason and and, and that, a lot of those that could have been a too, goal. right yeah 20, you got a lot of seniors and you could you could have that that could be something you're aspiring to as this program tries to rebuild so uh, I, I think you guys are right in terms of you have to take this issue seriously uh and, and any program that was doing recruiting during that dead period when everybody was not allowed to do in-person recruiting, obviously I understand there needs to be consequences for that, but I just, the the way, the pace at which these things move, regardless of what the issue, whether it's this, whether it's 
impermissible benefits or whatever, uh, whatever we want to penalize teams for, it just moves way too slowly. And, and it ends up affecting people who weren't a part of it. And it's really unfortunate that, that we are in this place. And I, I don't know what the answer is because you do have to have some level of accountability when rules are broken in order to keep some integrity, I guess, within the sport. But, I, but just the people not being a part of it, being penalized for it, it just really stinks. And the, the Ringleaders of all this, time. too, are, are Antonio Pierce and Herm Edwards. They're not coaching college football again. So even if you drop a heavy show cause, what are you, you're not even really doing anything. Like Those guys are not coming back to college football. So the whole thing is just it's not great. I have a really hard time with this, guys, and help me help guide me through this. I couldn't care less about what Jim Harbaugh did, right? Mm-hmm. Like the hamburger thing or whatever that he's going to be missing three games for this year. Like the NCAA's punishment and th- his role and whatever happened there. Like I wrote a column saying I couldn't care less about this. Let's just get this over with so we don't have to think about it anymore. Well, before you go forward, Ari, he's being punished for lying. Yeah. But, but, More than but, what he right. actually did. But I'm not outraged by what he did, which is the point here I'm no, going to make. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's a Michigan fan or an Arizona State fan who's listening, they could see some inconsistency with my thought process because I take what Arizona State did very seriously. Um, both occurred during the pandemic, if, I, if I'm correct on this. Um, the difference in my mind is that Jim Harbaugh walked to a restaurant and met recruits. Right. And like Arizona State was full blown, like having visitors on campus. So like traveling from out of state, even, I believe. So like that's the difference. But, you know, what Jim Harbaugh did, you know, it was against the rules. He's being punished for those. He's being punished for lying, all those things. But I think that what Arizona State did, um, if you're going to compare it to Michigan, is just far more egregious and inappropriate. So I just wanted to put that out there and make sure that no one, you know, commented. But actually, I don't like but actually (laughs) comments. Well, actually, <laughs> um, okay, so the next uh, piece of news uh, before we get into the games and previews and all that stuff that we're going to talk about is the Mountain West Conference met with Washington State on Thursday, is planning on meeting with Oregon State. Um, it's just two more Power Five uh, holdovers from the Pac-12 going to find a new home. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole situation is – very complicated because uh, is the Mountain West buyout seventeen million or thirty four million now? I believe they just I think it became thirty four. Yes. So if you want to be the Pack Four or Pack Two or whatever you are, um, we'll see what happens with Cal and Stanford. And you want to start bringing people over from the Mountain West? That's very expensive. They're not going to be up for that. If they're if they were coming to the full blown Pack Twelve, they'd find a way. But to come back to this weird thing where you have Oregon State and Washington State kind of driving the bus, you know, from the Mountain West perspective, it probably makes more sense to bring them in. Maybe you rebrand. I, I don't know. But um, so, you know, I think that these you are some the difficult decisions. Yeah. These are some difficult decisions with not a lot of great outcomes for Oregon State and Washington State. But this are going to be part of the machinations and the education process that you got to figure out, OK, what's our best move? And certainly do what they can to try and keep Cal and Stanford, which seems like a losing battle at this point. I just want these guys to find homes so it can stop. Yeah, That's these are two passionate, passionate programs with passionate fan bases, and it just thinks where they are at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see how that that plays out. But let's get into the fun stuff here. We are going to be answering your voicemails. And if you have been a little bit bashful about calling into the number, and I'll repeat it again, 316-462-9852, uh, here's a little 
preview of what your beautiful voice would sound like if you actually had the courage to do it. I hope that as we go through this episode and we cut up these these clips and we we I'm excited about it and I want people it's to do be it. Fun. So um, please, if you're on the fence of doing it, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can sound like me and people make fun of you. Like it's fine. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get to the first voicemail question of the sound off era. There always seems to be a team that gets the group think overvalue every year. Who do you think that is this year? And why is it Washington? Thanks, Jason. <laughs> I like that last drop you gave it. Why is yeah. it Washington? <laughs> it, it really is Washington. Uh, thank you so much, Jason, for the for the call. Uh, that was funny. You made people laugh on your on the first one ever. Um, there does seem to be certain darling teams every single year where people just automatically kind of hitch their wagon to. I mean, I think there were a few people in the uh, on the athletic staff, maybe at least one, maybe a few who picked Washington to make the playoff this year. Um, and I know Michael Michael Penix is there. And I know that uh, Caitlin DeBoer is a coach that's won a lot of games during his career, but like, are we going that far? Um, and also, too, there's a few others that I want to put out there. We can talk about Washington first, but Texas Tech, everybody <laughs> thinks Texas Tech is going to be really good. And they might be really good, but my experience, whenever you go through this and say, hey, this team that isn't usually very good is going to be awesome. That's not like they're supposed to do it the way TCU did it. They're not supposed to be expected to do it. Sam. I have a lot of respect for Joey McGuire. I love their staff. I love what they're doing. Doesn't sound like you, Ari. (laughs) No, 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 no. I just like (laughs) winning the big 12 and being much improved and on the right track are very different things. So um, that's another one. Florida state is another one where everybody is like, okay, they're going to, they're going to make the playoff this year. Um, And listen, I'm the only person on the athletic staff who picked Texas too, but at least they have the, the talent composite to back them up. (laughs) <laughs> um, but Washington does seem to be the main culprit here. Uh, what do you, uh, let's start with you, Dave. We'll start with your opinion of Washington and then we'll flip over to, to Sam and he can strangle me over my Texas tech comment. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that Washington will make the playoff. I don't, I don't think that they will, but if you're talking about them in the PAC 12 race, when we talk about this a little bit, you know, on Saturday, Ari, I just think USC is going to, going to stumble. And somebody's got to be there to pick up the pieces. And if you're asking me who the next most likely team is, I like a 10-2, and two, a 9-3 and three Washington to be holding up the trophy at the end of the year. I actually like that. Uh, USC, I just think this is going to be a flawed situation. I think there's going to be frustration. I have to wonder as well, Ari, like in the locker room, anytime you have these teams where you have this all-world offense and this defense, that's clearly the reason why they're struggling – you know, no, everybody's going to play nice publicly, but when the doors are closed and locked and the microphones are turned off, I, I have to wonder about those dynamics as well. You've seen and heard stories about that, too. So, you know, can Washington win fewer than nine games this year? I mean, I guess it's possible, but I'll be surprised. So I I don't I, listen. I, if you're going to talk about them as a playoff team, I don't think so. But uh, as a Pac-12 contender, I, I see it. I they just don't Ryan know who's going to win the Pac-12. I don't uh, either because all the games that are big seem bunched together for everybody on the back half of the schedule. So like, we're going to maybe get a nice little viewpoint of who's the favorite once we get through half the season. But I just saw a USC play on Saturday night and I thought I was watching reruns of the season of the defense from hell a year ago. Um, and I'm looking at Washington's schedule right now, Boise state, 
supposed to be pretty good this year. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of a tricky opener. You go on the road to East Lansing, Michigan State. Maybe they stink, uh, but you know this is the the way it works. And then you have Oregon in the middle of your season. Then you finish off with three consecutive games at USC, home at Utah, then at Oregon State, uh, ending the year off with Washington State. So um, that doesn't seem like a breakout schedule to me. So if you think that Washington's defense is going to be good, um, I'm willing to listen to whatever argument that you have for that. But like when you think about group think and, and all basically just attaching your, your ship to that bandwagon, I don't know that there's been a lot of people on this podcast that really think that. Right. So I, I hopefully we're a little bit different. I, I don't, I think they'll be fun to watch Penix as a rocket of an arm. And I think really when he hits that pass perfectly, he's got about the most beautiful ball that you could actually picture in the sport. Um, I don't know if I'm buying, buying all that hype. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Sam, did I offend you with my Texas Tech stuff? <laughs> you're you're, you're going to blow your mind. Not at all. I'm actually in full agreement with you, Ari. I, I am high on Tech, but I do think we have gotten a little carried away. Apologies to Joey McGuire. Um, I, I do think we, and and I apologize to you, to you, Ubin, because I think you picked them when we did our Big 12 preview. You got them winning win the conference. Win the league. Yeah. I, it's I, not fair I to them. them. Could I see them sneaking into the Big 12 title game? Yes. Am I picking them to do it? No. I, I, I think Texas and Kansas State are the teams that are going to get in there. Uh, I, I think they're still another year away from being a true Big 12 title contender. Because I do think the program is moving in that direction. But yeah, I do think we are he in the race of college football media to find the next TCU or to find the next sexy program that's going to rise up out of nowhere, so to speak. A lot of people have jumped on Texas Tech, and I get it. Lots of production returning, veteran quarterback returning, 
almost the entire coaching staff return. You got a head coach that you get the right vibes off of. The culture seems to be right. So I get it. But the Big 12 is really tough. And it, it, it is a it's a slog to get through from week one to all the way to the end of the season. So I, I'm, I'm in agreement that I think we are overvaluing tech to a certain degree. And, and there, there's so many, I think, people trying to pick them as a team that now I think we've probably we probably talked about them a little bit too much at this point. Now it feels like if they don't win the Big 12, it's a disappointment. It's like, I, I know. know we <laughs> I think here. we're setting well, Joey up for uh, failure here. <laughs> this is still the same team that they have not won nine games since they fired Mike Leach mm-hmm. after he won nine games. Uh, so I think if you can get to that 9-10 win mark, and, may, and we'll see what happens in the Big 12 standings. I, I'm not, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, if they're, you know, will 10-2 get you? Yeah, it's like Texas is number probably. one, and then everybody else after, like, we well, know who's going to be first. So but then, right. like, how we've it pans out about, after that. We've talked a lot about Texas and Bama on this pod, but, like, I get the Texas talent issues, but, like, or the talent uh, case. But, Ari, like, the fact that every team in the Big 12 has Texas circled on their schedule you and say Texas this every has, time. Well, I know, but like, are you really comfortable with that? That they can hold up against this? Because like, I know you're on an island with the Texas play. Well, not really on an island. It's you and Dez uh, and some other people. But but like, generally, Ooh, uh, me and Dez most, is me being on an island. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But yeah, like, for, I, that's for, not the that's aside, not the life raft like, I'm looking for aside, here. <laughs> they're like they're like heavy, heavy Big Twelve favorites. Like most people are picking yeah, up in right. the Big Twelve. And like, I just think people like. That they're going to be ready to show up to play, and that they are not going to. There's not going to be an intensity gap between them and like a handful of teams that got talent and skill and want to come and punch you in the face to start the season to start the game. Dave, I, I just think you're going to be. There's going to be some games where they're down ten nothing five minutes in. And if you're you don't like, think Whoa. that I'm nervous about where I'm at with this thing, like I haven't effectively, <laughs> like I portray confidence in my opinions, but like. I'm very well. Like people are like, don't, don't you think they could lose to teams that they, that you don't know? <laughs> yes, I I watch it happen every dynamic. year. That, of that course, I know that can so happen. Real. It's real most years. It's doubly real this year. Yeah, and it's like I think it's a good segue because we're talking about tech, um, mm-hmm. and I believe that Texas plays on the road at no, though they're in Austin, the they're final Austin game of the year, and that's final, supposed to be yeah, like Black Friday, I believe. One of the biggest games uh, in Texas Tech, maybe history, right? Like they're they're already circling that out, and especially if there's a Big Twelve championship game birth on the line of that game, like I'm going to go there and watch it as a fan, maybe. Yeah. Um. So that to me is a big deal, but like, yes, I'm fully aware of how it could go wrong for Texas. I've seen it go wrong that way 800 times, <laughs> and like I know, like the thing to me though is that like I watch teams and I covered. Listen, I covered a team for 10 years where every single time they played another team, it was the other team's Super Bowl. So this isn't like a, uh, you know, revelatory concept to me, but when you are much better than them, it doesn't freaking matter. So like if they're going to make the playoff, that's me having blind faith that they could potentially flip the switch and turn into the team that they have the talent to be. If they're actually going to be shocked by a 10 point deficit to Iowa state on the road, because Iowa state's amped up to play the team that's leaving the, they're not good. Like it's not, they're not going to not make the playoff because of that factor. They're just not, they're just not going to be good enough. So if they're good enough, that won't be a problem. And if they're not good enough, it will be. And we'll, we'll find out here shortly if that's the case. So um, next voicemail, here we go. Hey guys, this is David from Chicago land. A uh, quick, which happens first question. Uh, does Mel Tucker land a five star at Michigan state or is he terminated in first? Ooh. It's a tough call. I'm, I'm going to say terminated by a nose just because at this point 
getting some of that juice back and selling, hey, come here, we can do great things. That's a much tougher sell. When you when you flop in year two the way that they did, that's it's tough to come back from that. You have a special year one. You know, you you go in the portal, you get Kenneth Walker. You know, you make some you make some hay with Peyton Thorn. Uh, you know, you have a year that's better than people anticipate. But getting that juice back once it's been drained from the juice box is it's tough. It's tough. Okay, so we know why David asked this question, right? And it's a good one. It's a tough one. Uh, it's it's because David Stone. <laughs> David Stone committed to Oklahoma on Saturday during week zero games. And David Stone was their top remaining target on their board. And the last two years, Mel Tucker has been promising to expand um, Michigan State's talent outreach to go after a certain caliber player. I got chastised by Andy on this podcast feed and by listeners by saying, I think it's crazy that they're doing that. And then here we are two years later with questions like this. That said, um, I'm going to take that he will get a five-star player first because Say what you want about Mel Tucker and the way that it's gone for him so far. The man has done a better job than previous coaching regimes, you know, not when it was really humming under Mark D'Antonio, but, you know, in this specific last two year run of getting interest for five star prospects enough to get them on campus on campus. Uh, Samson Okanlola went last year. David Stone went this year like they are getting legitimate big time five stars to at least look at them closely. And the reason why I'm taking the 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 commitment was. Um, he didn't say sign, first of all, so that's a loophole. <laughs> and second of all, but I will say sign. The man's got a God contract. Mm, You're not yeah. going to fire him in the next six years. So, like, will it actually happen one time uh, in the next six years? And Matthew C. here in the comments, well, you know, kind of echoing, can MSU afford to fire Mel Tucker any of the next five years? Like, I don't think that they can. So, like, you have so much time. That time uh, – margin of 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 things that can change in that time is just too big to decide right, with no. the big 10 money six years is generous i'll say two to three where they just will not do it but if you're still going four and eight five and seven six and six it's gonna cut a check for 60 mil like it's nothing have you looked at the big 10 money yes yeah no i you, know i know you can't just, afford to keep losing like that and like the money that you lose if you have a losing program in a place that expects to win outweighs well, let me Whatever ask you. Whatever you're going to lose. Yes. Sam, maybe you can you can tackle this because I, I love your opinions. Um, are you guys just like out on Mel Tucker being good enough to keep his job? Like it's like one thing to not sign a five-star prospect. Like, But is everybody just on Mel Tucker sucks now? Is that it? No, like, he, we've given I, up no, on him? I, I, no, I, I'm, I'm not, certainly. I, but I agree. I agree with you, Ari. I do think David's right about the amount of money that Big Ten schools are going to have, especially after this once this new broadcast contract kicks in but that's still a lot of money to pay somebody to go away and still I just, 60 million dollars i don't care how much i'm coming it's in still, it is still a lot of money the, the largest like buyout texas and jimbo bio money right there right right it's, it's exactly dang near the same contract or same year and annual salary Mm-hmm. The largest buyout to this date, I think, that we've seen paid out is what twenty one million. Is that the Gus Malzahn? Gus Malzahn twenty one point three, if I recall. So that you're talking that's about a hot take from, that that number is going down before twenty one <laughs> to sixty. Like that's that's a huge gap. I, I I agree with you. Is that you just need more swings at those five stars? Like you keep getting them on campus, you keep getting them on campus. At some point, I feel like if you consistently get them on campus, you eventually hit on one. 
The thing that scares me is if you spend too much time and energy recruiting five-star prospects that don't commit to you or don't sign with you, then you're not doing a good enough job recruiting the players that you need to get on your roster to be good at football. So like that, you know, to me, the number one currency in uh, recruiting isn't so much the NIL dollars. It's the time that you spend and how effectively you use it. So that to me has always been the number one concern with, with Michigan state. But I also think too, that with the amount of time we're talking about here, uh, you know, they've, they signed five-star prospects before. I'm sure they'll do it again. So looking forward to seeing how that pans out. That was a good question. Thank you so much, David. Let's go to the next one. Hey guys, this is Eric from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I uh, thought about calling in with a, uh, with a calculus problem for Ari to work through, but uh, yeah, that I'm curious to get your thoughts on my Irish this year. How big of a of a prove it year is it for Marcus Freeman? Last year he had two quarterbacks that are that are now third stringers on different teams. Sam Hartman transfers in. Uh, all indications from the spring game were that he's he's looking great. He has a more developed offensive line in Notre Dame than he ever had at Wake Forest. Um, so how much of this year for Marcus Freeman is it important to, to really hit double-digit wins to prove the program's headed in the right direction and, and what happens if, if they go under on the 8.5 win total? Because uh, at that point, I feel like in a lot of ways there's concerns even if he's only in his second year. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Eric. I want to know the calculus question. Yeah. I mean, everybody <laughs> likes to watch me weasel when it comes to figuring out math problems. And I, you know, maybe another day, like, a, it'll be a bet where – you can just give me like a high school algebra question and I'll put it on a whiteboard and you guys can watch me try to. I am terrified for when like my daughter starts getting rudimentary math homework because like I don't think I'm going to know how to do any of it. <laughs> you know, uh, certainly couldn't pass a single high school test um, in any subject right now. I couldn't pass a high school English test. I'm a sports writer. So, you know, if that gives you <laughs> an idea of like how I'm at. But um, listen. Last year kind of felt like a disaster for Notre Dame. Like when you look, think about looking back at it mm-hmm. and then you like, remember they won nine games. Like if that was a disaster feeling year, then I think that maybe they're a little bit more ahead of the curve than we're giving them credit for. So we watched the game on Saturday. It was a complete blowout. Um, Sam Hartman looked awesome. Offensive line looked awesome. Uh, receivers were catching passes, you know, no tight ends caught any passes, thought it was a very good first game for them but you know what do you think guys that notre dame has to do this year to be successful uh or to be viewed as a success and will they do yeah, I, think, I think that double digit number will do a lot for him to sh- shut people up because i think when it comes down to for me is when you look at this team okay nine wins is acceptable i guess uh you're still gonna have grumbling depending on how those losses happen and who they are but you there's not a like there's not a compelling reason why this team can't win 10 games. And if it doesn't, where's that finger going to be pointing? Right at the head coach because you've got all the pieces. You you know, the schedule Notre Dame schedule is Notre Dame schedule. It is what it is. Brian Kelly navigated it and this isn't that much different of a schedule. So if you're not getting there to, you know, 10 wins or close to it or 9 wins and maybe you lose to Ohio State by a little bit or, you know, you get nipped by USC, you know, we'll see. There's not an excuse for why you can't do it with this team um, and with this schedule. So that to me says yes, because if you if you're sitting there at eight and four, I mean, prove it year. You know, you're you're starting twenty twenty four. I think pretty squarely on the hot seat. Yeah, I think momentum is so important, right? When when you're starting an era, it's important. Recruiting momentum is important, but on field results matching that recruiting is really important, and so. You know, I think 
Marcus Freeman is, is, I think he gives good vibes. And I think you looked at the way that program looked on Saturday. They looked competent. They looked, they did what they were mm-hmm. supposed to do. Dominant performance, clean game. And you, you like it starting that way. You got to keep that momentum going. And if you, I think winning nine games or 10 games, it, it gives you some really good momentum going into the future. And it, it helps give positive vibes around your program. Cause if, if you end up eight and four or, or worse, then you have a lot of people asking questions, and so uh, yeah, I do think it. I think it is a big year because also remember when once upon a time we used to hire coaches, we used to say, yeah, give them three, four years to get your guys in. It, we don't do that anymore. It's the, it's a different world now, and so really, year two is when you got to start showing some progress. Yeah, the thing that is interesting about last year is, um, you know, they did win nine games, but I think the most important thing when to consider Notre Dame season last year is that they didn't win 10 because they lost to Marshall and Stanford. Like, I think that to me is the more pertinent issue than, you know, what their total record was. Um, And the interesting thing here now uh, on the flip side for 2023 is that if Notre Dame is going to reach 10 wins this year, that means that they have to beat one of these three teams, Uh, Ohio state, USC, both of those games are at home and then a road game at Clemson. Are they going to go one and two in those games this year? I think I, I like Notre Dame to have a really good shot to beat USC after what I saw last night. Um, and in the you know afternoon game too, like the combination of how good Notre Dame looked and how poor USC's defense looked at the same day on, on week zero kind of makes me think that's a possibility. But, you know, that's a pretty tough proposition. If you feel like your back's against the wall to win 10 games this year, you got to beat one of those teams and it's not going to be easy to beat any of them. Well, I think too, part of this is, uh, you know, with the whole Marcus Freeman conversation, okay, you lose in the bowl game, you don't look great against Ohio State, but then that Marshall loss, you're 0-3, and it felt like the walls were caving in on Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And, like, to get out of that place where everyone's like, you know, I don't know that this is the guy, and that's, like, the overwhelming, like, pers- or the overwhelming perception of, of your program, you got to have, like, a big-time, you know, ride home about win, and, and Clemson you know, does a little bit of that for you, but not quite enough. Um, and you need, you need like a season with some big time wins to get to prove that, Hey, you know, we are this because when you start the way that he started, you dig yourself such a big hole. I mean, that Marshall loss, even though Marshall is a good team, the perception of that, you know, you're, you're still feeling the effects of it. If you're Marcus Freeman. Didn't Marshall like get dump trucked by a bunch of bad teams after that win last year. Am I just making that up? Uh, let me look. I don't believe so. Uh, I, thought they I don't were, know. I it doesn't they, change your point, but uh, yeah. I, I just like I. They lost to uh, Bowling Green the following week uh, after beating yeah, Notre Dame, but I guess that's like but you still uh, went nine and four. Yeah, they did go nine and four. So here's the thing: the walls felt like they were closing in on my household too because I wagered a large chunk of money that they would just win that game live in the third quarter and it didn't go well for me and my family and my wife and my marriage so <laughs> i'll never forget that game and i was like shooter mcgavin on the uh whatever oh oh you know like that so uh, Ari wakes okay, up next- in a cold sweat thinking about kaylin leborn every now and then <laughs> yeah no i just there are some of those games were just kind of like the hell what happened here Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub. 
an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Next uh, questions will be two in a row here. I think they're kind of they're kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Josh from Columbus, Ohio. I was just trying to see what your guys' perfect setup for Saturday is. You guys like to have the food that you're going to eat right there at noon, or do you like to have it come in at three thirty? Uh, what's your preferred drink of the day? And uh, thanks for the great podcast. Talk to you soon. This is Matt calling from Los Angeles. All right, Dave, love the show. Glad you guys are back. Um, Ari, you're my favorite just because you give so many self-depreciating personal anecdotes, which I think you should keep it up. We need more of your not wearing shoes when people come over stories. My question is, <laughs> is that I cook every Saturday during the fall for all my friends. I get, you know, five to 15 people over and I always cook for everybody. So I want to know if you were coming to a friend's house what would you want him to cook? What's the food that you'd want to have to watch football? Because it's always a big thing for me. Thanks, guys. Love the show. I'm not wearing shoes right now, and I really don't know what the big <laughs> deal is. Like, I, I don't understand, like, why you have to cover your feet as a man when people come to your house. We're just lounging. We're just watching games. I mean, I'll never understand this, but apparently it's an issue. Okay, I like those two questions because they're different. They're the same, but they're different. Yes. And thank you so much for for asking those questions, guys. Appreciate that. Uh, when you're at home, what is your ideal setup, guys? So uh, it's sort of complicated because we do, we are out covering games, and I haven't been able to sit and watch a weekend as a fan in a long, long time. Um, so that's sort of complicated. But for me... I don't like to if I'm just if it's if it's not like a party situation, if it's just like I have time at home, my move if I'm on a home Saturday, my move has always been late big breakfast to get you to night. I don't do I don't want to do like the afternoon like food run or be cooking stuff while games are on. I do like the big breakfast. Sometimes I will cook it at home. Sometimes maybe you go get like a couple chicken biscuits, something along those lines. If we have you guys can eaten the breakfast crunch wrap at Taco Bell? I'm telling you, it might hold the belt as the single best fast food uh, uh, breakfast item. It's incredible. Uh, so, and in, in general, I go big breakfast. Uh, as for the second part of the question, you got to have something that is not texture dependent. So nothing fried, nothing crispy. A pulled pork is a, is a, is a big time winner. I have some friends here that on Saturdays, they're big Tennessee fans and they cook whatever the mascot is for when they have people over or something tied to that. Uh, sometimes it gets a little complicated, but most of the time they can, they can manage. Yeah. It's uh to echo David. When I am, when I am not at a game on Saturdays, I'm actually in my office watching the games. Cause you know, we're trying to actually work. Uh, but if, if it's a, just a day that I'm able to actually sit and watch and not have to monitor games, so to speak, and just enjoy the games, uh, like you, I, I am definitely a big breakfast guy, so maybe some really good breakfast tacos, 
mm-hmm. something something hearty to get me started. And like I said, it would be late because, you know, probably deep in the game day. And then I'm in that probably eating next in that late afternoon window. Like he said, the three thirty time. And if I want if I'm going to somebody's house and I want somebody to make something, I want a really good dip. Because if, if we're if we're in a party situation and we got a bunch of people around, you want something accessible. Get get some chips and get either like a good seven layer dip or like a buffalo chicken dip, something like that that you can go in and just grab. Finger foods I think are really key if you're going to have people over. Wings are a go to staple if if you have oh, somebody yes. that can make some good wings. Can't believe we're like three really minutes into this answer and the word wings was just made up for the first time. Like, <laughs> what are you guys doing here? I, I heard crunch wrap breakfast wrap before wings. Like sometimes I just feel like That's I should take my computer and throw it against part, the wall. Than a party situation. I'm not going to roll out the crunch wrap guys, for a party. Guys, the guys, wings guys, are a great guys, option. Guys, guys, you're both wrong. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I want to hear this. <laughs> so when I was... Um, when I was a kid, we used to have football parties where we'd have people come over. And my dad was like peak happiness of my dad. We would have um, appetizers and breakfast combo. So like as mm. and I remember I was on uh, Pacific time back when I was growing up. So my like schedule was just different oh, yeah. when I was a kid because the first games kicked off at nine in the morning when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So we would have uh, bagels and, you know, all the carbs that you'd want in breakfast, pancakes, all that stuff, right? Like around 730 in the morning when people woke up. Then you hit like around the first quarter as the, the day starts to warm up and we start getting closer to noon. That's when you start getting your pigs in the blanket, your buffalo wings, your dips, all the like regular appetizers. Um, and then, you know, we'd even go like there was this place that used to be open in Phoenix that made a really good pepperoni roll like that you can only find and. Phoenix, I mean, uh, in like the Pittsburgh area where it was like warm yeah. and like this, my dad would go get it. He'd warm it up in the oven. Thing would be gone in 30 seconds. And then fine. the timing of the call for the pizza delivery is the most important. <laughs> okay. Yep. You want to hit that call right after the bands come off of the field during the halftime show, <laughs> because that way it doesn't arrive during halftime and it doesn't arrive right when the third quarter is starting. But if it's a close, good game. And the we're on the uh, roller coaster up of, you know, excitement. <laughs> this pie arrives with about seven minutes and 31 seconds left in the third quarter. Um, somebody who's not as engaged in the game, which was my mother at the time. There's always one that's at the house, goes and gets the pizza, sets it up nicely while everybody, you know, <laughs> watches the game. It's like a buffet style. You open up the boxes and you put them on the kitchen island. You put the plates on the side. You got the the whole thing. And then during the next commercial after that seven minute mark. Everybody goes and gets their pizza, and then you eat uh, like a savage uh, for the rest of the game. And hopefully, you're stuffed by the time the fourth quarter uh, See, is in the middle of it. Like that. All right, to me, nobody else in my family likes sports, so this is the dilemma that I am in. I grew up right, in a house well, where nobody else. I likes can tell. Sports. My wife doesn't like it. Yeah, I can tell with that crunch wrap bullshit. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, and it's like pizza and wings is literally what football's made of. But there's a second part, and everyone's like, "Do you not own grills?" It's like, yeah. Burgers and hot dogs are good, but like I if you're just trying to watch the game. That's hard. That's hard. I really well, here's like the cheat code. Here's the cheat code. Wings, we man. talk about we talk about having people over. The cheat code is don't cook. The, and if you're in Texas, like I am, you go find one of your great barbecue restaurants mm-hmm. and just order a whole brisket that's ready yep. to go and bring that over. And guess what, man? Everybody will eat like kings. Uh, but yes, mm-hmm. the pizza and wings. I, I'm definitely as I was talking before Ari lost his mind about the wings. <laughs> the, he's right about the pizza call. You, the the late yeah. the the late afternoon, early evening pizza 
hits like nothing else. And then you over order it too, so that there's still some left over for the night games. Like this yeah. is an amateur hour. Pack uh, after and, dark with pizza. Yeah. Now, so Liam, did a, Liam did ask us what the ideal wing sauce or rub is. I feel like I'm going to get roasted for this take. I don't uh, particularly like. I don't particularly like buffalo sauce. I'm a barbecue wing guy. Am I going to get killed for this? Oven. What? What? <laughs> what are we doing here? You don't like babes. You don't like regular <laughs> buffalo sauce. What is up, man? Like, <laughs> did you grow up on Mars, man? Like, what the heck? Uh, what was your ideal great? sauce? I'm barbecue. a barbecue, like a honey barbecue guy. I'm, I'm but, with him on this. I think that the regular buffalo sauce is the most overrated flavor. Oh my food. gosh, you guys! What? What? <laughs> What kind of existence a, do you guys I'm have? I'm a garlic up? parmesan oh barbecue guy. I like oh I like a novelty wing. Listen, Buffalo Wild Wings is doing it right. Yeah, they, they, I don't know how it took until like 2021 for them to sell their sauces in stores. You have to go. When I was uh, when I got an air fryer, I would make wings at the house, get the honey barbecue, uh, and then you could make them. They were as good, if not better, than what you got at Buffalo Wild Wings. But they it took for a while for a while there you had to go buy it like in the Are actual you Buffalo Wild. Ready Wings. for the most simpleton opinion of all time that I'm actually like ashamed of. Like I wear the Domino's cheesy bread on my chest and like a man and I'll walk <laughs> into it. <laughs> my favorite wing sauce is Asian Zing from Bleed Ups. It's really, like, really good. It's, it's really, 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 good. really, no doubt. really good. Um and then there was one last part of this, then we'll get back to it. But um if you go to somebody's house and you're not hosting the party, mm-hmm. you're going. That was another question. What do you like? What is your ideal setup at that other person's house? Uh, for me, the answer is the same, but I can understand like if you don't want to cook or you don't want to barbecue uh, burgers, hot dogs and chips and all that stuff. You got to have the finger foods. You got to have the pizza rolls. But I think burgers and hot dogs on the grill is probably the best thing that you can hope for when you're going to somebody's house who's cooking. You need something that's going to be good for most of the day, too. So don't sleep on, especially once you get cold, just the, the crock pot chili that you can sort of just kind of make multiple visits to. Little fixings on the side, a lot of Fritos. Throw the Fritos in there. Like that's gonna be good all day, and it's only gonna get better as the day goes on. One of my buddies has a great chili recipe. That when it gets cold, very rarely down here in Texas, but when it does get cold, I like to to start up that chili uh, on a on a late fall Saturday, and it, my, it it's awesome. Legit, like some of my favorite memories of my young family is just fall days with my wife cooking chili. Because, you know, that smell, it's like it, it, it kind of vibes really well with the, the pumpkin candles that are always firing up in our house. By the way, <laughs> we spend roughly $1,200 annually on pumpkin candles. I hope you guys are on board with this. But uh, we, we, uh, we, we let it fly with the pumpkin candles in our house. Okay. Next no, no, question. Hold on, that real was a quick. Long Uppen's going to tell me that he likes beans in his chili. I'm, that's what I'm expecting now. No, I'm with you on this one, Ari. I'm with you on this one, Sam. Listen, Wait, what's wrong with beans I, in the chili? Ari's just not, not Texas. If we're in it's Texas, fine. you don't do that. No Ari's, a, Ari's, an Ohioan, Ari's an Ohioan sleeper cell that's like getting away with living in Texas. He's not Texas enough. I was there for nine <laughs> I'm not years. Texas, I'm not Texas like enough good. yet. Yeah. I, here's <laughs> the thing. Do you own cowboy boots? Me? Come on, Ari. Okay, I got t- just a quick story and then we'll go to the next thing. <laughs> but I went to a wedding in Hallettsville, Texas a few weeks ago. Oh, that's that's okay. Now you're that's that's, that's Texas, scary. right? I mean, yes. like we got oh, yeah. we, we drove to Waco. We got off the highway. We were off for two and a half hours. We weren't even on a main highway. So we get to this wedding. And as you can imagine, being in this state, yep. uh, everybody was uh, not everybody, but a lot of people were wearing the Wrangler jeans, the, the mm-hmm. cowboy shirt with the, the bolos, baby bolos. Yeah, they had the, <laughs> the boots going on. They had the boots going on. They had the. The wallets that stick out halfway, you know, like those long bifold wallets, like it's a checkbook wallet <laughs> with the buttons on it, like the whole deal. 
So we were on the shuttle to the wedding and, and I'm like wearing a button down shirt tucked in with a belt and khakis like, you know, somebody um, in the uh, Midwest or Southwest might maybe maybe we're more so the Midwest, but just a regular wedding attire. And there was somebody that was wearing this stuff on the shuttle. So I got friendly with him and whatever. And my wife is sitting there and I, you know how I get like I get like, you know. Try to be funny a little bit, but I asked him, so what do you do for work? And he said he manages apartment buildings. And I said, oh, so uh, do you wear that type of stuff all the time or just like because I'm just trying to figure out what the cowboy thing is in this state. If you don't work with cattle. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it like a fashion well, statement or no, is it here's application? The deal, right? Why? Ari, te- cowboy Ari, cowboy boots is, are legit fashion here. Yeah, Ari, Texas is Texas. They're also expensive. But Dallas, Dallas is not Texas. Dallas is just Atlanta. I know. Dropped in North no, Texas. No, Dallas is Scottsdale in North Texas. Yeah, basically. But like Fort Worth is Texas. You get an hour outside of uh, of any of the metroplexes, you're in like Texas, Texas. If you work in Charles Schwab, the there's middle. no reason why you should be wearing garb that you would find on Yellowstone. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you, why do they wear you, it? It's fashion. Sam, Sam, you'll have to speak more to Houston because I haven't spent a ton of time there. But Houston is like kind of a little bit. It's not like quintessential Texas, but it's very, very different from Dallas. So and it's San Antonio, mix. San Antonio, I'll say is basically Texas. Uh, but Dallas is not Texas. So Ari, you're you're insulated. But somebody explained to me Texas. what the reason for wearing the cowboy garb is if it's not application i would feel like that stuff is exactly what you would want to wear well, if you're working a, with livestock and if you're it's not the same why, reason why why do you have off-road tires on your truck why do you have a giant truck if you're in texas it's just i don't have off-road tires on my truck i know but there's a lot of people that do that like work at like arby's or something it's like that's all right just why like, do you and i wear jays we don't play basketball what the heck i mean it's the same <laughs> I, mean, I guess i mean i guess so it's a fashion statement well, it's exactly, go. th- thank you bingo it is and it's a mentality okay so it's a mentality so the cowboy the boots Cowboy garb is a fashion statement. Yeah, yeah and, it, and it's a representation of just where you are. It's it's a geographic thing here in Texas. So yeah, uh, it's it's just I part mean, of I the think culture. It looks good. I wish I could pull it off. I, I certainly couldn't. But I just I think uh, Ari. I think Ari messed with Texas and lived to tell the tale. No, he he actually <laughs> was a really cool dude, and we we sat next to <laughs> each other at the wedding and had a great time. And I, I hope he'll be my friend for a long period of time. But it's just like if you've ever met me. Like that is the exact opposite of my persona. I'm like a hoodie and gym shorts guy in the wild. So, um, okay, another voicemail. Hey, I'm very excited for the season. This is uh, Jordan from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, obviously, an Ohio State fan. I was very um, intrigued with the uh, USC Lincoln Riley conversation, and I think that you know, as far as USC being soft in their defense, that both um, you know Ari and Dave were right. My question. Uh, keeping with USC is do you think that under Lincoln Riley USC can ever reach Oklahoma what he did there um, I, I'm starting to lean towards no because you know he is at the he's going to be one of the best but the Pac-12 this year is harder than what the Big 12 was when he was there and then moving into the Big 10 that's also going to be harder and if he continues as you know i guess Ari was saying with being soft and he has to face you know iowa he has to face wisconsin although a little bit different he has to go to illinois in november on top of you have ohio state michigan and penn state can he ever get to the level where he is making three four five straight playoffs or does that not matter because they're probably going to make it with the 12 team playoff 
I'm just very interested in that because, you know, with Oklahoma, he did everything he could but win a national championship. But I wonder if the the ceiling is lower if he is going to not, you know, change the defensive coordinator, if he's not going to um, try to get tougher, recruit the offensive defensive line. Um, I could see there being more kind of surprise ups, upsets, um, you know, going to Purdue and uh, in November if they keep the spoiler makers and that kind of stuff being in the Big Ten. Um, thanks as always. I'll help him out. No, not happening. Not Aren't happening. they already there? Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, I just think at the end of the day, what he did at Oklahoma, he did because and Ario loved this. They had a lot more talent than everybody else. And you're going up against, uh, you know, your your chief rival is a Texas program in complete disarray. Um, that's all over the map. Um, and it didn't and matter at could, all that could. everybody circled their game on the calendar, right? Well, I don't think Ari Oklahoma does not inspire the same rage as Texas yeah. does. People don't relish beating Oklahoma in the same way that they relish beating Texas. There is an arrogance around Texas and a hatred around Texas that Oklahoma does not face. Oklahoma is the class of the Big 12. People don't resent that. People in the Big 12 resent that Texas is treated like a king when they play like plebeians more often than not. And so did that I just, is. Did I poke you? No, I, just I poked I, you. No, a little bit. you didn't. I I'm did. just yeah, I'm, I did. pointing <laughs> out why, I'm pointing out. I'm pointing out why you're wrong, Ari. I, I'm very familiar with the Big Twelve. The culture is different. People hate Texas in a way that they do not hate Oklahoma. So no, Lincoln. I think the, the move to the Big Ten. You're going against. You know, I don't know what geographically is a complicated question. And the twelve team playoff, we can sort of throw out and say, are they going to get to the Final Four frequently? No, they're not. I think he can still cook and win Heisman trophies and do all that stuff because his offense is so good. The play calling last night was unbelievable. Like the the situations that they put him in and the route combinations that t- that touchdown pass to Dorian Singer, that play design was fantastic. So he can still keep doing that, but no, they're not going to be doing what they do because there's more competition. If they if they were in the Pac-12, I would have said yes, but the Big Ten, no, because you're going to have too many big guys out there that are going to be just a lot more capable than Texas. And also making the 12-team field isn't going to be the same thing as making the four-team field. Well, I that's think what I'm saying. That, I don't care about making the 12-team field. Can you get to the Final Four? And you got to get to the Final Four. Not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, getting to the Final Four when having to win games in that setting is harder than getting to the Final Four in the current system. So, yes. like, to me, that is something that we need to acknowledge. So, But, like, do you think that uh, USC is going to be one of the three best programs in the Big Ten eventually and – you know, be a team that can actually win a national championship. I think that's on the table for sure. Like I, I right now I have lost all faith or most faith in their ability to field a defense. that can win a national title this year. Um, but if they do somehow figure out a way to field a really good D and everything on offense stays the same, then you're telling me that they can't be better than Michigan state and Penn state to be the second or third best team in the conference. Like I, I think that they absolutely could reach that level. Um, and he's going to have plenty of time to figure that out. So you know, I think that Lincoln Riley, like you said, it was a beneficiary of playing in a conference that just didn't bring the challenges to it. There was no there was no boogeyman at the end of the Big 12 schedule because they were it. Um, but now there's a Ohio State, a Michigan, a Penn State, a Wisconsin, all these teams in that league, Michigan State, when they're good. Like, it's hard to run through that league. But also, too, there's 97 teams in the Big 10 now. So also, you know, you're, you don't have to play all of them in your schedule anyway. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. But like my expectation and the reason why I bet Andy a thousand dollars, they would win uh, enough to make the playoff in the first three years of Riley's tenure is because a Pac-12 stinks um, or had stunk coming into this year. 
Um, mm-hmm. But also because I thought they were going to recruit like maniacs and be the number one transfer destination for any quarterback ever. Um, and so far that's already kind of held, held true on the transfer part, but not the recruiting part. So, you know, I think the, the question should be simplified is, do you have any confidence whatsoever in Lincoln Riley figuring out how to field a coordinator or keeping a coordinator and fielding a defense that can stop somebody ever? Because that's the answer. Yeah. That's the answer to the well, question. And the reality is that getting the 12 team playoff is not going to be enough for a program like USC. They're not going to be happy with that. Some programs will be, and they should be, but USC is not. And so that's, you know, he's not going to be able to just get into the 12 team playoff two out of five years, and people will be like, oh, good job. Here's an extension. That's not how that's going to work. Sam, who's more screwed, uh, Texas to the SEC or USC to the Big Ten? I think USC to the Big Ten because I think Texas is actually starting to build its roster the way it needs to for SEC competition. Like you look at the <laughs> – I remember I remember the very first year Sark got there and looking at that roster compared to SEC teams that I saw, and it just wasn't up to snuff. And Talk now you dirty to there, me, Sam. Talk and you watch them practice, <laughs> buddy. They look different. They look like what they're do they supposed look like, to look. Sam, they look big. They look fast. But, what, but like what? Like if you had to say like what they look like, what do they look like? What what type of team? They look they look like an SEC team. They're starting to look like an SEC team. I'm not going to say a playoff team, Ari. I know you're on that bandwagon. <laughs> I am not there. You tease. Uh, get to the Big Twelve championship game first, and then let, let's t- let's. Take baby steps first. Let's get to a Big 12 championship game, which we haven't done since 2018. And then we'll talk. This is but the no, thing I, about Texas. I, I think Texas is a little bit better set up because of the way they've recruited so far. And their defense, you guys watched that defense last year against Alabama in that second game of the year. And, and really throughout most of the season, that defense was really good last season. They, they've got a really good team. The thing that's so funny to me is that they are a heavy favorite to win their conference. The winning the Big 12 and making the playoff aren't that far apart. Like, if you win the Big 12, they're more apart than you think they are, Ari. (laughs) I mean, maybe they are, but like, it's like if you can (laughs) wrap your mind on the idea of like, of course they're going to win the Big 12 this year. If you can get to that point, it's not that much of a further of a leap to say they're only going to have one loss when they do it. If they, okay, here you are. If they lose to only Bama, roll the rest of the Big 12, win the Big, they're going to the playoff. If they beat Bama, lose to some stupid team and still win the Big 12, they're probably still going to the playoff because they'll get credit for that Bama win. That will be huge for them. But I think they lose two games at minimum. Um, So I don't think they're getting there. But they can still win the league. But it's, you know, we'll see. I do think it is funny when we're talking about playoff teams because I'm going to TCU's practice on Friday. And it's like that Michael Scott thing, or I forget which show it was, where they said you're not acting like a manager. And it said, well, I am the manager. So technically everything I do is a manager. So I'll be seeing a playoff team on Friday. Already. <laughs> yeah. Well, you let me know. I'm so excited for the season to start because they podcast after their first loss is going to be absolute podcast gold, but it might it not won't happen. be after the Bama game. The Bama, they're beating Bama. I'm sorry. They're going to be their seven is, point Chris dogs, is with buddy. me. Yeah. Congrats to them. They're still going to win. Like it's fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who you hate more this year, Texas or Bama. And by the way, real bold strategy as a new podcast co-host to come out hating both of those schools. Really, really <laughs> awesome for the reviews. Uh, also hated the Rose Bowl if you didn't remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Rose Bowl sucks. Texas sucks and Bama sucks. I never Welcome said to the, show, the Rose Bowl pal. sucks. I just said Rose Bowl people chill out a little bit. You got anything else you bit. want to talk about? You don't care about world hunger? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I already busted out my uh, my half joking Paul Rudd sucks to, uh, quote or. Uh, uh, I don't know if we have any other uh, any other questions. Um, 
but we, we have got some written ones already. Written, written ones. Written let's just hammer ones these ones out real quick. We're going to mm-hmm. go a little bit over an hour, but that's okay. Let's do the written ones because we still do them. Christopher S. Via the Athletic. Via. Sorry, I always say Via. Uh, <laughs> Super League is actually better than the majority of college football, not worse. 32 teams leave, uh, taking top 25% of all players and headaches of salaries, big INIL, big transfer portal with them. Rest of college football reverts back to regional rivalries, less stress chasing money, trying to keep up, and return to realistic coaching salaries and conference sizes. It's actually better for the teams that get left behind because they never are going to win a championship in this world anyway. Tell me why I'm wrong. Christopher S. on The Athletic. I'm torn on this. Because this new world, I just don't really know. I know that it's going to be something very different from what made me love college football. And there's going to be a lot of, like, you know, big-time baller games that are going to be fun to watch. But I just I just think that the, whatever's left behind, you know, and we'll see. My my nightmare scenario is that the, the, the Big Ten and the SEC go do their own thing and then refuse to even play anybody else. That I don't ever want to happen. But if that does happen... It's going to be hard that the, to, to not feel like that's the Premier League and everybody else is the MLS. Where like there's going to be people that care about it and they'll be talking about highlights. It's going to be awesome. But the whole thing is just going to kind of feel a little bit like cheap and kind of weak. And like this is just not, you know, it's the same reason why the group of five doesn't start their own playoff. Because they don't want it to be an off brand. They want to be fighting for that, that big stage. So, you know, maybe the 12 team playoff can keep that. I'm going to say TBD on that. I just, I don't know that I buy that it's better for the smaller teams. I think being at that adults table and, you know, having to prove it on the field and say, Hey, you're going to have to come beat us to prove it. And every now and then they don't. Sam? Yeah, I think, I think if we are able at some point to get back to the regionality and the rivalries that we had and, and, and the setup that, made us really love college football. I think that's a good thing. But a lot of this sport is built on hope. And I get it that most of these teams that we're talking about that would get left out of a Super League are not going to win a national championship. We know that. But it doesn't mean that you can't dream for it. And that's really, Mm -hmm. I think, what keeps a lot of the fans into it, that one day your team can get up. That's why the realignment stuff has been so critical. It's like those teams that have been in the non-power conferences want to get to the big conferences because eventually they want to say, well, we can do it too. They want to be like TCU. TCU 25 years ago got left out of the Southwest Conference and then they went in the WAC and they went in Conference USA and they went in the Mountain West and then eventually they got to the Big 12 and and the Big East. You forgot the Big East. 10, 11 years. The the Big (laughs) East for... (laughs) Tell me your favorite Big East memory for TCU, (laughs) David Oven. Uh, Yes. But but 11 years later, they got to the national championship game, and sure, they got pounded by Georgia, but they got there, and that mattered. It did something. Yeah, and it mattered. It meant something to, to so many people. And so if you create a Super League, you lop off two-thirds, you know, three-quarters of those teams that have that chance to, to hope and dream that they'll get there. Even if they don't, I get the, that they won't, but it's the same thing about when the Super League and the Premier League got got shut off, and I think, uh, I can't remember who wrote the column a few years ago when the fans revolted against it, but think about, like, the, TCU was kind of like a team like Leicester City. Leicester City went from relegation to promoting the Premier League and then ended up winning the Premier League title. It's so rare that it happens, but when it does, you got to savor it. The Boise States of the world who beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. Those things are really charming about college football. And if you just turn it into a Super League, it's just a mini NFL. And it's it's still going to be entertaining ball. Don't get me wrong. But but it's not what what the sport is supposed to be. 
Mm-hmm. Sam, my favorite thing about working at The Athletic is writing dueling columns against you. We wouldn't have one this time. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. And here's the thing that always gets lost in the discussion. And it blows my mind. It gets lost in the discussion of the expansion of the playoff, too. I 100% bought in with the idea of hope. Hope is what everybody what gets them through the summer, you know, what they think could happen at the future and, you know, what they're building toward. But these teams that technically don't have a chance to win the national championship still do serve a purpose. And you guys know what that purpose is? It's upsetting the teams that are in the Super League. That is what makes the sport fun. We are killing the upset. I don't want the upset to go away. I don't want every team that your favorite team in the Super League loses to to be a rational thought of like, oh, okay, well, they lost to a good team. Like part of the charm of the sport is getting your ass kicked by a team that stinks. Or a team that isn't going anywhere. And by the way, those teams that aren't winning the national championship this year, their entire years are made by it. You think App State's upset that they didn't win the national championship at the FBS level back in whatever year that was? Because 2007, the, 2007 mm-hmm. which is holy shit, we're old. Um, but like, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. I mean, like, I mean, like, it is like. The purpose of this system and the way that it works right now isn't only to serve every individual fan base. You know, these these bottom feeder programs serve the big teams. So I don't know. Uh, Vaughn here, our boy that that hung out with us here in Vegas last year. Uh, I was upset if Ohio State years ago would be meaningless with the new format. And it's like, that's true. That's why I'm with you. It's like. Uh, maybe Iowa fans would still like love it and have a great time that night, but it wouldn't have ruined Ohio State season. Ohio State still would have made the playoff. It's like nobody talks about that when we're I mean, I feel like I'm the only one who's with me. We're, no, I'm remember, with you, remember right? when remember when South Florida got all the way to number two in the rankings in the yeah. BCS yeah. rankings. Remember when West Levin. Virginia was this close to possibly getting. And I think was it would have been they got in the national championship game. If they would have beaten Pitt. Them and Mizzou were on the doorstep. That is the. I do think that is the worst loss in college football history. The most painful loss in college football history. Thirteen. This is a really good topic here, guys. Lewis here said the talent drain from the transfer portal will kill upsets. That's an interesting thought. Um, Mm. And I wonder if we'll ever get to that point where the teams that have one or two really good players that kind of turn out to be the difference in these upsets are just not on those teams anymore once they make it, which, you know, I guess is kind of a doomsday scenario. But I do still think that, you know. Players will nah, stay. I don't. I don't fully at, buy so. that because I think there's enough players that come back. There's enough players that yeah. go from the power conferences to the to the the group. I think of five he's predicting a world where everybody who's good on a middle tier team does what Jordan Addison did. Yeah, and if that that's happens, not that would I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to get used to you guys. Like, I don't feel it's like, like what if Michael portal. Crabtree tr- transferred Ooh, yeah. and finished his career off at Bama? Like, that's what he's talking about. But speaking the, of teams that finished, portal, they were number two at one point. Texas Tech. Yeah. Well, I was going to say earlier in the show, the last time Texas Tech played the biggest game in school history, they got punked and gave up 60 points to a very good Oklahoma team. But, like, I don't think the portal has really impacted the competitive balance all that much in big picture. There's certainly, like, you know, the Jordan Addisons of the world. and It's still you know, very young, guys. though, man. It hasn't, yeah, we, we don't haven't know. gotten to We the, don't know. Yeah. So I, in I don't, seven years, is it just going to be like, well... I don't have any scholarships from the SEC, so I'll just take the only scholarship that I have from the Sun Belt or the MAC. Uh, and I'm really, re- well, maybe that's those are even too small of conferences. I'll just take my Big 12 scholarship and go play uh, for Texas Tech, and I'm going to have an awesome freshman year. And then when I get nine different SEC teams coming at me with money to come transfer there, that'll take the best scholar. Like, yeah. if that is the end of the world, 
that would stink. But um, I just, uh, um, I just miss old college football already. I'm just like old. Uh, and you, you know, I like just, the playoff, but the realignment is killing me. We're just fiddling with it too much, and it's just all at once, and it's hard for me. Okay, I think we've got one final question in written form. Laughable via Apple Podcast review. Oh, this is a podcast review. Okay, as I understand it, sites like 247 rate kids based on projections to the NFL. Would rankings change dramatically if the rating was based purely on projection within college? For example, a guy may not have a prototypical wide receiver body, but that matters much less in college. Why not leave NFL projection until we have three or five years of tape at the next uh, lowest level versus skipping over the most important format three to five years? Which I think is a a really interesting question. Like there is a major difference between being a badass college football player and being a first round draft pick. Like. Mm When I covered Ohio State, I thought the best player that ever played there in the 10-year period was Braxton Miller, and that guy wouldn't have sniffed playing quarterback in the NFL. Um, so, like, that is the question. So my my number one take here on this is, and this is what happens when you leave a happy review. You get to be on the show. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if you leave a bad one, I just... Uh, <laughs> Do that Hannibal Lecter sound effect again. <laughs> Did no, you like we're that? good. We're good. <laughs> Uh, I got a lot of good feedback from that Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> my my pet peeve is when we get bad reviews for things that make no sense. Just like, uh, but you know, reviews are reviews. By the way, if you think that you're going to leave a one star review and it's going to like ruin everything we're working on, like total reviews also helps too. So you're helping us indirectly in a good way too. So if you want to leave a bad review, go for it. Um, the reason Please why. Don't. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, the more reviews, that means the more people listen to it. And if you want to be like. Dave Ubbins shirt was too bright last week. One star. It's like, come on, man. It's like, you know, we're, we're really working hard at this and we want it to be good. So, um, uh, the reason why NFL draft projections are taken into account when we do the rankings here, or when we use the rankings is that general athletic ability and being able to project to that level translates directly to how good you are in college. So I think like, I understand what you're saying. It's like, well, like, you know, who's the perfect example of this, Sam is Haas Haney. Uh, I was going to wonder, th- I was wondering if you're bringing th- him up. Yeah, yeah. Three, three star prospect who's committed to um, TCU. And I watched him at the Elite 11 Open or uh, Regional in Austin with Sam a few months ago. And Sam pointed him out to me and said, The kid's a stud. He went out and uh, not only kicked ass at the camp, but, uh, you know, went to the Elite 11 and looked really good too. And the reason why he's a three star, not a five star, is because he's 5'10. Oh. Four star now. Four, now. four star. Four now. Well, my, my um, case for this has always been Mason Fine. How does a guy who throws for like 50,000 yards in high school, you're going to tell me that no one in the Power Five can make this kid work because he's like 5'8", five, 5'9"? Five, like, come on. And then he goes to North Texas and kills it. Of course he does. And now he's like thriving in Canadian football. Like, how, yeah. at some point, what you do, like college football is a lot better at this than the NFL is, where like what you do matters a lot more than like your measurables and your tools. But like... At some point, like, you know, and we're probably overstating it on the quarterbacks. I think in other positions it gets a little more complicated where, like, listen, I don't care if you played 1A six-man ball in Oklahoma and had 200 sacks and you're a defensive end that's, you know, 5'8", you know, 210. Like, that's going to be a problem for you. But, like, you know, I, I think guys that are really productive and are under-recruited, I think, is a is a problem in college. But it's just not, I mean... How good you are isn't no isn't only associated with how big your body is and how fast you can run. Obviously, those things are important, and the reason why the rankings equate to more wins is because if you have bigger, faster, better players, you're going to win more games. 
but there are also prototypical guys who can be awesome in college, like made for college type players um, that can help you win a lot of football games um, that will pay dividends. So it is, it is an interesting thought process, but the one question I would have back is how do you actually rate players for college not the NFL? Like I, it'd be like a really messy grading system, I think. Um, and also too, they're really, really accurate. You know, mm-hmm. people say that it's an inexact science, but like if you go look at the, you know, composite rankings, there are the Texases of the world. <laughs> there are uh, the A&Ms of the world. But for the most part, there's a direct correlation between how much talent you have on your roster and how good you're going to be. Um, and that makes them pretty accurate. So anyway, um, I got to say, this was, I think, maybe my one of my top three favorite shows that we've done since we came back. That was fun. Uh, what do you guys fun. think of the sound off? I love it. Enjoy. I'm excited for it. I want to hear more of you guys uh, talk some ball with us. And Ari, I really like, I don't know if you guys remember college football, but there are a lot of games that make a lot of people very angry. I'm very excited to get like our rants of the year. Listen, interesting, insightful questions are our winners, but like. Be you angry. Know, Be yourself. <laughs> at some point, we're going to get some hilarious ones. So I'm looking forward to it. Drop us your voicemails, folks. Yeah, and if you want to call me an asshole on the thing, then do it. We'll play it. I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> Accuracy <laughs> is I can't key. stand that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much, guys, for for joining me on this. And I honestly, like you said, I can't wait. And hopefully anybody who was hesitant to leave a voicemail because it's just kind of an odd thing to do in 2023. Like leaving a voicemail with anybody is just so off-putting now, isn't it? Like <laughs> I don't even call anybody anymore, let alone leaving. I hey, get the uh, transcripts give me- texted to me. Yeah. So I prefer, I appreciate it. <laughs> Hi, this is Ari Wasserman. Uh, I'm just calling to touch base here. If you can give me a call back at four, eight, zero at your earliest convenience, I would greatly appreciate it. Now Bye. I want to know whose number Ari just, if you do that on a, now, on if you're a serial killer, that was a fake yeah. number. It's a fake number to you, but some pizza place in whatever the 480 area <laughs> code is. I, I, start, I started off. No, 48020 are the first five for me. So, you know, uh, if you can, if you can follow the, I, I was like, I don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I'm, I'm super excited about that. He's 8675309 somebody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was so much fun, guys, and I can't wait once we get into the to the meat of the schedule and next yes, week sir. to do next this week, to great, have great week one. Just please, please, please call in and leave voicemails because without you guys, we can't do it. Again, yeah, the, the number is three one six four six two nine eight five two three one six four six eight two three one six four six two nine eight five two. It's my money, and I want it now. It's uh, that math again, Ari. <laughs> until Reading numbers Saturday, counts as uh, math. Phone voicemail is on the screen if you're more of a if you're more of a visual person. <laughs> 316-462-9852. Leave a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. (laughs) Subscribe to our podcast. And uh, if you're looking for a host that can just simply read and recite a phone number, find another show because it's not on this one. And I'd like Uh, to apologize to whatever Scottsdale business already got blown up. But we'll see. 316-462-9852. 316-462-9852. Thanks for watching. That was Until Saturday's first sound off. When he said it's my money, I want it now. I lost it. Oh, oh my God. <laughs>